Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change with your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Can you guys hear me at all? Yeah. All right. I can hear you. Sound better. All right. It's like your voice got more sexy over the weekend. Hey, Jason. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm getting like crazy, crazy feedback. But nonetheless, good morning, everybody. It is Monday, May 22nd. And today is National Maritime Day. National Solitaire Day because being by yourself is sometimes better just that way national buy a musical instrument day for all you musicianally inclined individuals out there it's national vanilla pudding day international being you day because why not be you world paloma day because everyone loves a beverage and of course it's national craft distillery day because even though this oh man man oh man sorry guys check 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 I really apologize, but thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast, and please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to find where we live at on the Internet, and we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube, and we are not on Clubhouse today because we are having audio issues. But nonetheless, we're going to kick it off with the dope dad himself. That's right, Rico the Meek coming to the stage to save the day. Oh, yeah, it's the dope dad and Quasimodo's little friendly helper that's right it's rico lamite i can't hear it i can't hear a thing can you guys hear me i can hear you you can hear me all right if you guys can hear me i'm just gonna go all right i assume that was a great intro jason <laughs> let's just keep it rolling here all right so um we have all found ourselves at some point as adults in the middle of the night, maybe sober, maybe not, at the local corner store. Whether it's a no-name food and liquor or a national chain like 7-Eleven or Circle K to grab munchies, re-up on beer and cigarettes, condoms, you know, all the reasons why your mom told you nothing good ever happens after midnight. But the truth is, with a total market size of U.S. and Canada of $671 billion in sales and over 155,000 shops across the country, convenience stores continue to be a huge piece of the U.S. growth economy. So next time that you are doing laundry and find a crumpled up $60 receipt in your pocket with a 1 a.m. time stamp for a, a, a bunch of junk food and condoms that you never ended up using. There's no reason for shame. You're just fulfilling your patriotic duty to keep American capitalism on track. However, 
A Gallup poll released last August about cannabis sales surpassing cigarettes has gotten convenience stores licking their chops at the opportunity to soon sell weed on their shelves, too, and take advantage of the potential revenue boon about to take flight in the U.S. in a post-prohibition world. 7-Eleven franchises sell over two, uh, $24 billion annually in beer alone, and per the article, have historically led the way in trends like lottery tickets, airborne, and of course, the big gulp. Coke suggested to 7-Eleven in 1967 that they use an unheard of at the time 32-ounce cup to sell fountain drinks, a huge step up and a leap from the standard 20-ounce offering back then. But it turned into such a moneymaker, auto manufacturers had to start building bigger cup holders. 7-Eleven is now eyeing cannabis potentially as their next big gulp moment for franchisees. Um, the problem is they can't really do any focus grouping here in the U.S. to get a better idea of how things would pan out. So what better place to serve as testing ground for what analysts are calling the inevitable future of the U.S. adult use market? Canada. Per the Fresh Toast, convenience store partnerships with cannabis can, uh, kicked off in 2018 when Canada does Canada Couchtard, the parent company of Circle K, entered into a venture in 2019 with Toronto-based Fire and Flower, an adult-use cannabis retailer with more than 100 corporate-owned stores. ACT agreed to provide Fire and Flower with capital to act, accelerate it, uh, its expansion strategy. The alliance has since expanded to include the opening of seven Circle K uh, co-located cannabis stores um, in Canada's provinces of Alberta and Ontario, operating under fire and flower corporate or technology licensing business models. The companies intend to pursue more opportunities to expand Circle K co-located uh, co store program. Kushtard uh, continues to see promise in the cannabis market and is committed to learning more about the space as it evolves both in Canada and beyond. All right, says uh, Alex Miller, the retailer's executive vice president in operations for North America. Kushtar believes it's a natural extension to pair its convenient shopper experience with the growing demand for cannabis products. Ben Kovler, uh, founder and chairman of CEO at Green Thumb Industries, says convenience is a strong channel in retail and people want more access to cannabis. Idaho-based Jackson's Food Stores is teaming up with Cordovavan, uh, Cordova Van Corp, a cannabis-focused consumer product retail company based in Toronto, and um, they're going to be offering drinks uh, to start off in America, and they hope to launch in Washington and Oregon and Arizona very soon. So my question is this, man. Uh, are you guys going to be buying, soon buying your weed at 7-Eleven, Circle K's, and all these gas stations, or will you be still going to the actual dispensary where they know what they're selling to you? I don't know. I, I'm going to stick to the pot shop and uh, going to a dispensary if I actually have to buy it, um, but I don't see myself uh, uh, buying a bunch of gas station weed anytime soon um, or in the future, but that's just my take on it. I'm Rico Lamit, dopest dad on the street. Love to hear from the rest of the team here. I don't mean to sound like a total jerk, but I don't buy anything from 7-Eleven, so I'm definitely not buying my weed there. <laughs> well, and I, do, I don't see how this is going to come to fruition whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I just, I, there's going to be way too many. What about the children? Uh, there's no way that you can put this on convenience store shelves. I just don't see how they're going to get that passed. I mean, they don't even like dispensaries opening up um, near schools. Are you kidding me that a kid's going to be able to go in buy a cannabis beverage next to an energy drink? That's not happening. Analysts are calling for it in five years. There's like a five-year game plan. Unless they're hard. I'm calling them. for legalization, too. Yeah. I, we'll be lucky to see I that mean, in five years. They sell porn, cigarettes, and alcohol at 7-Eleven and other convenience stores. So I, I think that's kind of a silly point to try to, to make. I know there is still a lot of cannabis stigma. 
What I would say number one though is this is a great uh, step in the right direction for liquor stores and and tobacco stores and other stores that are non cannabis to be able to sell these products. And the biggest problem in California that's causing the death of the industry is the is is the cannabis dispensary. The cannabis uh, dispensary models have been operating a like pawn shops. B they've been ripping everybody off, and you can see these articles in in Forbes and and everywhere all over the internet, uh, including San Francisco Chronicle just did a big article about the uh, oncoming extinction event of 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 cannabis stores in California due to them not paying their bills for years in in a row. I've got tons of friends who are cultivators and hash makers who have not been paid by stores for years running, going all the way back to Steve D'Angelo, Weed Jesus in the 215 era. And this also will help bypass the AM radio slotting fee thing that's been going on at stores where you have to not only give them the, your cannabis at a, at a discount, but also pay 1000 to $10,000 a month to even be on a shelf and have your bud tenders f- featured. Now, this doesn't go for all stores. A very small percentage of stores are trying to do a good job, serve their customers, serve brands, and help this industry survive. But there's too many stores that have been acting like the hot chick at the party and just seeing like what people will throw at them. And they have been literally the death of the cannabis industry. And that's why in California, where we have a robust black market, you see people just go into the trap market because they don't have to deal with this shit. What's, what, what state are they talking about doing this in? Nationwide. Yeah, yeah. right. Zero chance of that. Well, there would have to be so many regulatory changes at, I mean, down at the state level at every single, I mean, think about the minimum requirement for any kind of cannabis business operation to be, what is it, like a thousand feet away from any park, school, playground type situation. You know how many class action lawsuits there would be against municipalities if they allowed Jason's to do this? Jason, per the uh, per the article, they said they're going to be um, ra- launching their pilot programs in Washington, Oregon, and Arizona. I guarantee you, they don't launch a, want, launch a single one because Arizona is a very 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 tightly controlled market. Those shop operators out there would totally file a class action lawsuit um, because it would totally diminish the value of their retail licenses if they were to allow for something like this. And this is why I say that that cannabis is only always going to be sold in a dispensary because that's already the model that they set up and they're going to face too many lawsuits if they try to put this into mainstream shelves. Well, and frankly, Nick, my dear Nick, um, has said in the chat that I'm uh, spouting prohibitionist talk with what about the children and what about alcohol? Well, frankly, the alcohol lobby is a lot stronger than the cannabis lobby. And that's why alcohol gets to do whatever the hell it wants. Uh, And so if you want to get to do whatever the hell you want, start putting billions of dollars into lobbying. That is the only way that something like this is ever going to get through. That's the only way legalization is going to happen. You have to actually step up and lobby. And these hey, folks aren't doing it whatsoever. Hey, but Gretchen, what happens when the alcohol companies continue to lose more and more billions to the cannabis industry and then cannabis becomes their business? Well, all right. Then you have a shot in hell of this happening. When, when the happening alcohol right, companies start, right I understand that. I understand consolation. But still, you still got to get through regulations and legalization. And legalization is not coming anytime soon. I'm sorry to be the one that quicker. tells people that it's the truth. I think it'll come quicker when uh, alcohol and cigarettes already said they're losing profits and they're already jumping in the game, too. So you have their lobbies hopping in here. That's the money that you've been waiting for. That's what you've been calling for. Gretchen, you need more lobbying money. That's going to be their money and it's going to be pushing towards this solution. Well, okay, Rico, then if what do you think it's coming? Give me give me a date. 
it's, they keep on losing billions of dollars, and they've been stepping up. They're talking about that's not, that's not what I asked you. I said, give me a date. I'm not going to predict. Well, I'm, I'm not the, the sage over here. I'm just I'm Come just on. saying like it will happen. Okay. Uh, Do you think it'll happen in the next five years? Yes. Gretchen's on the okay. lookout to win another hundred dollar bet. I think it'll happen within the next uh, two, maybe three years max. Word. All right, we'll see. Well, they be as optimistic. All the you can't even get safe banking passed. We'll see. Anything you know to who get can? around the stranglehold you know- that the that the dispensaries have in California is needed, and I, I can't speak as much yeah. to other states because I don't have as much experience. I don't live in other states, but literally the dispensaries, the dispensary model is killing California. It is the death knell of California. The moment you can sell at cannabis at other places, all of these places are going to find their power go away, and then they're going to have to actually compete in a level business field, and their business acumen is going to have to be the thing that that makes them stand out. Again, not slotting fees, and if we look. If we look at slotting fees, this is like AM radio and why AM radio died in the 50s to album-oriented rock um, that was coming out from the West Coast. The same thing was happening. The only way to get on the radio was to pay a DJ thousands of dollars for them to play your song. And what happened was pop music went this way and consumer consumer wants went this way. Nobody wanted what was getting paid to play on the radio. And so these album-oriented stations came on this new format called FM. And FM radio took off because it was playing the thing that people actually wanted to see. And the analogy here is in the trap market, people are getting the quality that they want and peop- and these brands that are smaller cultivation craft bands that don't have a thousand to ten thousand dollars a month to pay all these stores are able to serve their customers and the customers find it. We can see what's happening, you guys. And so Flocana, who really started this entire Flocana, who started this entire slotting fee thing is already out of business because you cannot pay. To, to win in the cannabis industry it's a quality based it's a sensorial based it's an experience based product and if it is not good customers will not continue to shop with you St. Germain I got a question for you yes ma'am uh, and for Rico whoever else wants to jump in on this so pretend this happens that this cannabis comes to convenience stores does all licensing just go out the window? Is there no value then to having a cannabis license? Exactly. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. She didn't ask Jason Beck. Like, uh, I'm just saying, like, they, uh, Jason, you, but Jason, you always say the golden rule, right? He who holds the gold makes the rules. That's right. And who has the money? Who has that gold? Alcohol companies and cigarette companies. The same ones that are losing money in these convenience stores. Keep their yep. product there. They're going to go forward and they're going to set the rules. Okay, well, that didn't answer my question whatsoever. How did it's going to take descheduling, and then when descheduling comes, I, I think there'll then there'll be a nationwide licensing process like the ATF in licensing alcohol, nope. and then you'll have a much wider uh, ability to get products. Most of the products at Seven Eleven are going to suck, just like most of the products at Seven Eleven suck now. But if they can sell cannabis products at Seven Eleven, that means they can also sell them at tobacco style shops Dreamers. and liquor stores. And other places where you can get high quality products. This will never happen. But then, what happens to all the folks? Well, I mean, who yeah, right. But also, weed was never going to be legal. Thousands of dollars, is, millions so of dollars into having their license. That, that that was their risk to take. Okay, so you're going to tell you know all these folks. I'm not going to tell them. Uh, no, I'm just saying. But that's American how it's going to go. Yeah, that's how capitalism it's works, all, right? The hell with it. They aren't going to mean jack. This is American style capitalism. That's how it works. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Nick had a great Nick had a great comment just now. Uh, were that to happen, the other thing that would okay would be farms to sell direct just mm-hmm. on farm side uh, roadside stands like they do with with produce. They should be yep. able as to well as, like- as well as craft breweries. Totally, so, going to be allowing for that. I, I can think say that much. If, if we look at if we if we look at and scaffold off from science, 
change is currently the only constant in our universe. The only thing that never stops or changes is change itself. And so the cannabis economy, the cannabis reality, cannabis legalization, just like psychedelic legalization is not going to be static. Everything is going to change and morph. And the more people who have relatives and friends who are positively benefited by the medical effects of cannabis, the more the stigma will drop, the more cannabis access will, will, will rise, and eventually we'll get through this whole thing together, you guys. Boom. There it is. Oh, yeah. Let's go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. Dreamers. Oh, yeah. You know what time it is. That's right. It's Tuesday over here at Green Street, and we got Smoky Vanilla with us in the building. So that's right. It is time to stretch and smoke. We just got done smoking. Now we're going to stretch it out, and then we're going to smoke again. Let's go. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology and bodywork massage and assisted stretching. You got to come check it out, baby. Check me out on IG at Smoky Vanilla One Stretch and Smoke, Twitter Smoky Vanilla, Social Club Stretch and Smoke, or also on Sports Recovery by Dan and Jam. If you want to feel as good as I look, then make sure that you get a stretch and smoke in with Smoky Vanilla. Yeet. Up next, he is the industry's longest continuously operating retailer. And if you ain't catching him on the street smoking the best weed in the world, you might just catch him in the penthouse overlooking all of the common activities. He's over at the Vortex. Looking Commoner. down <laughs> from the penthouse suite over there, smoking on nothing but the best weed in the world. Coming up next, you knew who it is, Jason Beck. Oh, yeah. Good morning, Rico. Hope everyone is having a great day today. It's Monday. And of course, what would Monday be without some type of technical issue? So I do apologize uh, for that, everyone. But nonetheless, I have some good news to deliver because a Minnesota bill legalizing adult use cannabis has passed the Senate and is on its way to the governor's desk. That's right. Senators in Minnesota passed a bill on Saturday working overtime that would allow adult-use cannabis use by people over the age of 21 and make it the 23rd state to legalize the substance for adults. The measure has already been approved by the House and now goes to the Democratic Governor Tim Waltz, who is going to do the waltz with this bill and has pledged to sign it into the law. Supporters of the bill said it would improve public health and safety and further social justice, while opponents said health and safety would actually worsen. Under the measure, it would become legal uh, as of August 1st to possess, use, and cultivate at home. Retail sales at dispensaries would probably be at least a year away, and it includes a 10% excise tax on cannabis products on top of existing sales taxes and limits possession of cannabis flour to two pounds at home and two ounces in public. Other possession caps include 800 milligrams of THC in gummies and other edibles and eight grams of cannabis concentrate. Minnesotians who have been convicted of misdemeanor or petty misdemeanor possession would get their records automatically expunged through the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension, has estimated it will take until August of next year to process all of them, and people convicted of selling marijuana or other more serious but nonviolent pot-related offenses, that would no longer be crimes or would become lesser offenses, and they could apply to have their records cleared or sentences reduced. 
Local governments would get more negotiating authority on limiting the number of dispensaries and keeping them away from schools, but may not ban them altogether. And Republican Senator Jordan Rasmussen of Fergus Falls spoke in opposition on the Senate floor on Saturday. In a quote, he says, the fundamental flaw with this bill is that the starting point of it from proponents has been about creating an industry to fit their ideology, Rasmussen said. He said the measure gives bonus points to people who have committed drug crimes in the past and inadequately addresses law enforcement concerns about possession limits and is driven by commercial interests. Democratic Senator Lindsey Port of Brunsville uh, countered that and said that it would protect children from harmful effects of the illicit market by legalizing and regulating marijuana, and it would reduce risk to public health and safety um, and while reinvesting in communities harmed by previous marijuana laws. Minnesotans are ready. Let's legalize, regulate, and expunge, Port said. The bill passed the Senate 34 to 32 on a party line vote. Well, what do y'all have to say about this? And are you going to go to Minnesota and buy some weed? And this is Jason Beck reporting for the High at Nine News Hour. What do y'all think? I'm hearing lots of crickets over here. I say good for them. We need another state. What the hell? I mean, we're going to need the numbers, even if it's not the greatest bill on the face of the earth. Uh, We really need the numbers to help prove that the people want it, that states are moving forward. You got to do it. They have a pretty modest tax rate. I mean, considering it's a bill put together by Democrats. Okay. Is there, a, is there a critical mass of states that if they were to go recreational no. would really push the DEA or Congress to do something about no. uh, descheduling or, no. or federal legalization? No. I think, honestly, you need to have at least... Oh, 70. I was going to say 40. You yeah. need at least 40 states to really be like, come on, guys. Yeah. Because at this, this point, I mean, if you look at it from the medical side... I mean, we're way over... We're, what is the medical at now? Aren't we, aren't we at at least... Like, no, it's higher than that. It's over like half. Straight, over half the country has medical now. Right. The, I said 38. Is it around 38? Or am I crazy? 37. Wow. Okay. 30, yeah. yeah. Um, You're close, Gretchen. Thanks. You're, close. You're in the ball. Um, when it comes to act, like CBD and all that, I think it's 48 or so. Uh, well, no, 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 no. Well, well, because technically CBD is legalized underneath the farm bill, and two states have bans on that, so that's why it's 48. Wow. Okay. Well, bans. Yeah. Okay, well, then I was right. 48. I don't know. Yeah. What the, either way. But it's not, it's, it's not like they've legalized CBD. Stop it. That's the farm bill. No, I'm saying a certain states have allowed for CBD only. What are you talking about? All states have CBD only because of the farm bill. That's and my I'm point. talking about CBD from cannabis. Yeah. And then there's two states that have banned outright CBD, which is why you get to that number. 14. Right. So my number is 48. I don't know why this is a debate. You want to put a hundred bucks on this, Jason? Beck? Would that make you finally agree with me? 48. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. I don't understand what the Mom debate and Dad is about. Are fighting again. Because what you're saying is that makes sense. <laughs> I hate conflict. Oh, Lord. All my. Anyway. Yeah, whatever. The point is. That's right. Uh, well, you yes, guys killed we my have background a... with your bad vibes. <laughs> a large number of states are on board so far even in the medical realm and that's not doing enough so really you got to push on the adult use side because uh, that's where the bigger money is coming in yeah. to play right that is and so- i could have said that you know five minutes ago if jason beck didn't it's about time you finally came correct with me it's about time good job gretchen dude yeah that's right it's monday 
Oh, yeah. All right, we're going to keep it moving. We're going to go right on to our feisty little redheaded conservative who loves to tell pot love and lives all about themselves and likes to just randomly spit out facts, but doesn't actually make sense all the time. But nonetheless, it is. That's right. I roll. Cue it up. That's right. It's Gretchen Yaley. Well, other than pot love and libs, I also love telling jackass Republicans who don't pay attention or listen uh, how it really is. So I'm, I'm willing to tell everyone how it is, Jason Beck. Anyway, my headline today is coming from Marijuana Moment. Maryland governor signs bill protecting parents who lawfully use marijuana from child neglect penalties. The governor of Maryland has signed a bill to make it so the lawful and responsible use of marijuana by parents and guardians will not be construed by state officials as child neglect. Governor Westmore gave final approval to the legislation from Senator Jill Carter and Delegate Nicole Williams uh, on Tuesday. It will take effect starting on July 1st, which is also when the state's legalization law goes into force and retail sales could begin. After voters approved a legalization referendum at the ballot last year, lawmakers passed a bill to enact regulations for a commercial market that Moore signed earlier this month. Accordingly, the legislature passed additional legislation last month to provide legal protections for parents and custodians who participate in the market. The legislation the governor signed works by adding language to statute saying that childhood neglect does not include the use of cannabis by any parent or individual who has permanent or temporary care or custody or responsibility for supervision of the child, with certain exceptions. A caretaker could be found liable of neglect if the child's health or welfare is harmed or placed at substantial risk or harm, or the child has suffered mental injury or been placed at substantial risk of mental injury as a result of parental or guardian marijuana use. Relatedly, the governor of California signed legislation last year that includes provisions mandating that social workers who are called to investigate child welfare handle parental marijuana use in the same way that they do for alcohol. Also, a study published last year found that cannabis legalization is associated with at least 10% decrease in foster care admissions on average, including reductions in placements due to physical abuse, neglect, parental incarceration, and misuse of alcohol and other drugs. I think this is a great move uh, by the governor. I think that this needs to happen across the board. Uh, parents should not be being held for neglect and child services should not be called on them. And this is something that has to go away. I have met too many families who have had to deal with this uh, because a parent was a medical patient and had their children taken away. Uh, it's just something that does not need to happen anymore in this country. And I'm glad that the governor of Maryland uh, is putting legislation forth and making it law. This is Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News. First of all, I'm so excited about this. This is huge. This absolutely needs to be done. There's far too many people out there using their own determination of what is worthy of being investigated and what isn't. Um, I mean, full stop, myself included, just a couple months ago, my daughter mentioned something to someone out in the world about how much cannabis is in her mom's house and someone got a hold of a social worker and I had to have a meeting with a social worker to make sure that I was properly storing my stuff. So um, it's pretty invasive and this is huge and I'm very enthusiastic about it. Matter of fact, I'm going to repost this right now. Was it over two pounds that you had in your house, Mandy? Over two pounds? Mm -hmm. I know you haven't been here, but... Hey, uh, Mandy, um, 
wouldn't you be uh, wouldn't you be protected under Gavin Newsom's amendments that he made last year? Because uh, social workers are not supposed to um, um, now attack cannabis any well, different. He didn't attack. What it was is she came here to just talk about right. <laughs> they 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 come to talk, and then they're very observant, or they're they they mention things that were brought up and they just kind of like wait, they're probing, right? They're looking to see what you say. They're looking to see, um, you know, if, if there's any congruence between what they were told and what you're saying, right? Or if it's not, it's very interesting. They even asked to meet with each of my kids. I said, by all means, go right ahead. I have nothing to hide. Was it so I have a question real quick. Oh, we have Nicole uh, Buffong. So real quick, uh, in Maryland, um, is this type of protection not already around for CBD? Um, it does it matter if a child is taking CBD or a parent? Are they doing anything? Is there anything in this bill about that language specifically? Is it the whole plant that they're talking about um, or just cannabis with high THC? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look deeper into the bill. I don't think it gets into that specificity. And then the other question I had is, do does this does the bill also protect just parents who use cannabis in general? I, I heard you mention that it was for um, patients, like if, if you're a medical patient, but if you're just a cannabis user, do you still have... No, it's, it's for patients, or it's for uh, users in general, consumers in general. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Thank you. <laughs> clearing up questions over here today at high and nine news pot parents know your rights man uh know your know your laws surrounding this stuff and um it could get you in trouble yeah. so um uh, i'm glad you you shared your story uh mandy yeah, just know know your rights right i mean within that conversation yeah. i reminded her that i knew my rights <laughs> so i was happy to answer questions because i know i'm not going to go put my foot in it but it's something that you know the average parent probably isn't aware of. The only thing that makes me nervous is that it seems as if the law leaves it up to some discretion of the social worker. So it, it definitely yeah. does. That's and there's a lot to infer also, right? There's very, there's a lot that a social worker can imply. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I think at least having the law on the books is helpful if you get into a bad scenario where you can then fight things again legally, if that's the case. I just feel like you're going to get some social workers just going to be in there just collecting kids for CPS. Well, I felt also found it interesting that it says that foster care applications have gone down. So maybe this will help bring out more foster oh. parents. That is really intriguing to me. I mean, first of all, it's incredibly hard to be a foster parent as it is. So thank you to anybody out there in the world who's watching and doing that job. It's hard. Um, but yeah, foster parents should be covered just as equally as all the rest of us. I mean, come on. It's, doing it's, it's an interesting topic, uh, Gretchen. I'd love to wrap with my wife. Coming back to this, actually, Gretchen, can you follow this and see, like, sure. yeah. an update on how it unfolds? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because my, my wife works with a lot of foster kids. Yeah. I got here. Any information, I can shoot her way and get her. Well, uh, and it looks on. like the foster kids study was done in California. So. Mm. Okay. Dig that up. Right, yeah, I can get an actual licensed expert to comment on that one. Oh boy, here we go. Here we go. We're gonna All go right. commercial. We're gonna be right back. Mm -hmm.
Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Oh, yeah, whatever you're doing, make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And also head over to our website, www.hyatt9news.com. Check out our amazing selection of merch. On top of make sure you sign up for our newsletter. And when you do sign up for our newsletter, you will also get a lovely little email in your inbox. And hopefully it goes into your inbox because it may just go into your spam box. But you're still going to have to hit confirm if you want to be confirmed. Also, too. You want to if you want us to comment on your comments and whatnot, make sure you make them a super chat because that's the best way for us to actually acknowledge you. Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2,600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. He's a former NorCal cop, but now a security consultant at CC Security Solutions. He decided cherries and berries were not the proper solution for Sunday scaries. And here to improve your chances of survival is my man, fellow dope dad, Chris Eggers. Thank you for the intro. Uh, Mandy, great um, story or great comments on, on the story. Appreciate you sharing that very much. Um, as a parent, it's great to hear uh, at least somebody, you know, talking about that experience. So thank you for that. Um, Jason, thank you for my article today for finding it. It comes out of the Providence Journal. It says, fed up Mother Earth Wellness pot dispensary owners taking on Rhode Island's advertising ban. So this is by Mark Pantinkin. And it reads, it's not quite the Boston Tea Party, but he, he's saying I'm, but he is cheering on uh, a businessman who couldn't take it anymore and he doesn't blame him. What he did was actually more dramatic than dumping tea. He put up billboards on Interstate 95 telling the world to come to his cannabis dispensary, the biggest in the state. Why is this a defiant act? Because there's a weed ban here. For some uh, harebrained reason, the state allowed cannabis sales but didn't allow stores to promote themselves. Yet dispensaries in Massachusetts and Connecticut can. In fact, every day from his Mother Earth Wellness Dispensary, Joe Packeris looks at Interstate 95 billboard for Massachusetts dispenser, cannabis dispensary store and wonders how many cars are zipping by uh, his place to buy from across the border. So a few days ago, he finally put up his own billboard on his property, which highlights uh, – his business and borders the highway mother wellness. It says 21 plus next exit dispensary. If state regulatory folks think he has violated the no advertising rule, Joe insists he's done no such thing. His new billboard, he says is not advertising at all. It's just another store sign. Uh, no different. He says than the one above his entrance advertising. He explains would say I have the cheapest prices or the best quality. All I'm doing is what I've already done. The same thing that's on my building. 
but he won't deny he's frustrated by the no uh, ad ban. He and others have been begging the state to allow advertising and so far no go. Um, the result, Joe says that every day, many folks come into his mother earth saying that they didn't realize uh, recreational cannabis was for sale in Rhode Island until friends told them they'd been going to Massachusetts instead to buy their cannabis. Joe guesses business uh, for the state's seven dispensaries and many suppliers could improve by significant uh, 30% if ads were permitted. Two weeks ago, the House passed a bill allowing weed ads, but it's not law yet. Uh, and last week, a full year after recreational dispensaries were approved, the governor at last nominated three members to form a cannabis regulatory board needed uh, before ads can happen. But the nominees are not uh, yet to be ratified. Joe, he's 42, is working on uh, as a working class guy who for years ran Kitchen and Countertop Center for New England um, in the area and was co-ordered by Ed Keegan, also 42. So the two beat out other applicants in the area. Uh, for single cannabis dispensary license because their mill was perfect with 35,000 extra square feet for a full vertical business, according to this article, meaning they grow, create, and sell it. Uh, it's an impressive operation with growing rooms and breaking pad extraction lab and a gourmet kitchen making edibles. But the ad ban, Joe says, is hurting badly. He knows it will eventually happen, but he feels he's nuts. it's nuts for how long it's taking the, governor, the government to get it done. As for what's uh, what's the state side, I tried to ask them and explain themselves, but they wouldn't talk to me. No comment from the state in this article. Um, let's see. DBR respectfully declines this interview request. Um, they tried a couple times and so far no go. So Joe is now uh, putting up a big billboard at his facility and not calling it an advertisement. I think that's a good workaround. I don't know if there's going to be a letter of the law here or a spirit of the law, uh, but I found this interesting. Uh, wanted to share it on a Monday. Appreciate y'all. Hope everyone had a great weekend. So, so what is he calling it then, Chris? He's calling it a, a sign to his store. He's saying that it's no different than the sign above his door already that has the name of a store. And he says, Hey, it's not advertising because I'm not saying that I've got the lowest prices. I'm not saying I've got the best quality. So it doesn't fall under advertising the way he's, he's looking at the rule. I like that's it. That's a, that's a good, he has a good lawyer. I mean, it's very technical, right? Um, I like it though. By, by paper cuts, right? That's, I think I, I'm supportive of this guy. I think it's a good approach. I hope it works for him, but death by a thousand paper cuts is a real thing is, as we all know, and they they use the letter of the law specifically anytime it's convenient for them. And so here he is finding a, a loophole uh, saying that it's not advertisement and more power to him. We'll see if it flies though. Yeah. I love Does it have wings? I love Do you need wings to fly? Do you need wings to fly? You need creativity. Not if you have Red Bull. <laughs> Red Balls. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Oh, man. <laughs> We're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Oh, yes, that's right. <coughs> Excuse me. Coming up next, it's the mom who loves edibles. That's right. 
She loves, loves, loves those edibles because she's an Emerald Cup edible judge as well as a cannabis executive who loves to show how motherhood and a cannabis executive lifestyle all go hand in hand. That's right. It is none other than the Mandy Tingler. Good morning, everybody. Today, I'm going to be talking a little bit about cannabis politics. My article comes to us from Marijuana Moment, and the headline reads, Top Federal Health Official Calls for Regulating Marijuana Products, Which is Only Possible Under Legalization. As states continue to legalize marijuana, it is crucial that cannabis products are regulated, a top federal health official says. National Institute on Drug Abuse Director Nora Volkow said that while it might be ideal if states slowed down on enacting reform, the fact is that states are legalizing it. And we need to understand what we need to understand right now is what is or what it is that we can do to minimize harmful risks. That means, among other things, regulating the products that are being sold and educating the public about adverse effects, Volkow told Fox News on Wednesday. I think that it's crucial because, as you know, the majority of the states in the United States have legalized for recreational or medical marijuana. The official's comments are notable because while she didn't explicitly call for federal legalization, such a policy change would be necessary in order to nationally impose regulations on cannabis sales and products across state markets. Volkow also discussed recent research looking at a possible link between marijuana use and increased risk of psychosis, saying, unfortunately, marijuana is not as benign as we would like it to be because it would be great if it was, but be, because it would be great if it was a very safe drug. While the official warned about the possible risk of heavy use of a highly potent marijuana products, she said in 2021 that she's yet to see evidence that occasional marijuana use by adults is harmful. In terms of regulations, several con congressional legalization bills have been introduced in recent sessions, but they have not been enacted. The result has been a patchwork of regulatory models at the state level. Meanwhile, Volkow said, or separately told the Senate committee this month that there is emerging evidence that psychedelics carry significant potential as therapeutic treatments for certain mental health condition conditions, and it's a topic of great interest for researchers. The director has become a vocal critic of drug criminalization overall in the past several years, noting racial disparities in enforcement and the ineffectiveness of treating addiction as, a, as criminal rather than a public health matter. Drug criminalization has created a structurally racist system in which Black people are treated worse than others, the official said in an interview late last year. She also talked about the relationship between racial prejudice and drug criminalization in 2021, saying that in the U.S., currently reckoning with a long history of discriminatory and racist policies, many of which still continue today. Last year, Volkow said in a blog post, that there's an urgent need to reshape addiction treatment, specifically by putting more resources towards identifying pre-addiction to get people help before the disease. You guys, we have an advocate. I'm very excited about this lady. How can we get her some more support? And does anybody else know what else she's doing to help us get this mission across the finish line? This is Mandy. Happy Monday. Hi at nine. I'm not sure if this lady is an advocate or not. I would not know if I would necessarily. I don't know. I feel good about this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call Nora Volkow an advocate. advocate. I, I think she's a pragmatist. I wouldn't call her an advocate. 
I think she sees the needs as a scientist and as a regulator that there should be labeling standards. We need to know what's in these products, yada, 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 all that jazz. I think that's the most you're going to get out of Nora Volkow. Um, I don't know. To me, these are pretty important statements from from her chair. They're great statements. Um, However, I mean, that's not her, her track record. I mean, her track record, she has been looking at more at the science side. And that's what we need folks to be looking at is from the science. Um, but I think the study that came out last week or so about schizophrenia in men, um, is doing a lot of damage. Cause I keep hearing about it left and right, even though it was some tiny study done in Denmark, apparently it's the end all be all now. And we need to be coming back with our own studies, our own research to really counter a lot of these arguments that are coming out. Cause we only hear about the negative ones. Mm-hmm. We need to be putting forward a lot more of the good news of cannabis. And I'm not saying that cannabis is the end-all, be-all. Uh, it, it may have a number of issues still associated with it that we have yet to determine because we haven't been able to do the research. Right. But we have got to figure that stuff out. And the industry needs to be the ones coming forward with that information to be taken seriously. I'm just going to say, if she's saying positive stuff, it's some type of a trap because she has always been a longtime prohibitionist. Just it's a, a trap. It's a setup. Yes, it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. We need to find a better way to talk to doctors and get more doctors on board with this because I don't know, man. I don't know. And the research is very expensive and there's plenty of red tape to hop through. I mean, it's not like we can just easily decide to do this sort of stuff overnight. Right. Very true. Very true. I mean, if you you want to see stuff move along in Washington, you need someone on the DEA side. NIDA is not going to get it done. Exactly. Night is definitely not going to get it done. Not with those 0.6 THC samples they give out to everybody. Maybe if you give the DEA better prices, man, they'll start selling the shit uh, on par with the trap. You know well, they saying? grow it for free at the University of Mississippi. Get out of here. They have better prices than anybody. It's all okay. subsidized. <laughs> get a better product, man. Subsidized proof. <laughs> Mailed directly to your door from the United States Postal Service. I can dig it. I can dig it. In a tin can. I don't know, man. Uh, the more people we, we can, the more we can get people speaking in some sort of positive way. I'm, I, I'm for it. Mm-hmm. Um, just like with everybody else, I, I got my eyebrow raised. Laura Volcalis. Listen, I'm gonna try and be an optimist. I know you guys. Uh, she's been a longtime prohibitionist, but at the same time, everybody mm-hmm. has the opportunity to change their mind and start speaking out in the right direction. That part, so I'm that, that part is true. I'm gonna, I'm gonna expect the worst and possibly hope for the best. But I'm telling you. It's- I'm simply when it comes to Nora Volkow, she is speaking from position of science. Yep. Uh, it's Thank not you. that she's overnight become an advocate. I, I don't take that stance. She is not. But she is saying if we want to understand what's in the product, there has to be legalization. That's all she's saying, which everyone yeah. has always been saying. You have to have federal legalization if you want to put out federal standards, which means that she's yep. calling for descheduling. No, she didn't say that whatsoever, Jason Beck. So she's calling for research. I, I took that from it too, Jason. That's exactly what I. She's calling for it to be legal. Where do you? But, I, I I would love to start reading articles like you do, Jason Beck, because you have the best rose-colored glasses. You take my class. You are so high when you're reading this stuff. Oh my god! Don't believe that. I'm just saying. Just saying, Gretchen. Same. Yeah, just saying. You're always just saying. The, the reason, the, the reason I, I do believe that she's calling for descheduling is because she's calling for legal. She's saying that this none of this can happen without legalization, and you're not going to get legalization unless you have descheduling. Baloney. 
baloney. You could have legalization and make it a Schedule Two drug. What are you talking you about? It's not legal. It's not <laughs> what are you talking about? That's not okay. legal. It's not legal. Okay. Fine. What? Are, in what world? Again, fantasy land. Your rose-colored fantasy land that you live in or on Booth Street. Point oh, Gretchen. Keep talking. Just what tell the cop you, you didn't know you couldn't do that, right, Chris? I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't. Ignorance uh, is not an excuse yeah. for a law. Is that that's the George Costanza? That's the George. That's the George Costanza excuse. I didn't know I couldn't do that. Uh, <laughs> thank you for telling me that I could not do that. Oh my God, I've just learned so much. <laughs> I'll never oh, do it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank God you were here to correct me. Oh, Those oh. guys that give police officers a bad rap, man. I'm not with them. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it rocking. We, we get we're done with ads for the day, right? Yep, we ran we ran all the ads, bro. You want another one? No. Let's run a third <laughs> smoky vanilla, you guys. <laughs> Is it smoky vanilla? You make us watch smoky again. Power stretch and smoke. <laughs> yeah. Oh. See, I ah. want to look as good as I feel. Exactly. But up next, he is the co-host to the only podcast legally cleared in the lower 48 to tell you exactly what's good, but also an immortal cannabis wizard with a Stanford PhD in tripping balls here to take us on another educational trip to the end of today's show. Matthew St. Germain. Thanks, Brother Rico. Happy Monday, everybody. I got another psychedelic story. This one is about an Arizona veteran who faces prison time for treating cluster headaches with DMT. Uh, Damon Lech was arrested while making breakfast on August 11th, 2021 at his home in Chandler, Arizona, when police raided his house and found psilocybin mushrooms, DMT, and a flask containing naphtha, a chemical used to extract DMT. At the time of publication, he faces a potential prison sentence of six and a half years if convicted. Lech says he uses tryptamines like psilocybin and DMT to treat cluster headaches, which are widely considered one of the most painful experiences a human being can undergo. DMT and psilocybin are extremely illegal in the state of Arizona, so Lech is facing several years in prison in trying to maintain his quality of life. It's the worst pain I've ever felt in my life, Lech said. Nothing helps a headache as well as DMT when I'm actually having it. It will abort the headache immediately. A small hit will abort the headache for about an hour to an hour and a half. If I take a bigger hit, it can last longer, but some of the headaches last a few hours, so I would have to take a few hits during that episode. But I would be pain-free, even if not smoking, uh, even if smoking under a psychoactive amount. According to Lech, uh, he got tipped off by a dis uh, disgruntled ex-girlfriend who reported him to the cops, and the cops kicked his door in. Uh, now, Lech represents a very real issue in the criminal justice system. He's a veteran of the United States Army who came home from two deployments with very real medical issues for which he used cannabis. He faced felony charges almost immediately after coming home due to his cannabis use, so this is kind of a second strike for him. A report from the National Library of Medicine found with regard to cluster headaches, these patients are in a desperate and vulnerable situation, and illicit psychoactive substances are often considered a last resort. There appeared to, be, appeared to be little or no interest in psychoactive effects per se, as these were rather tolerated or avoided by using sub-psychoactive doses, primarily psilocybin, lysergic acid diethylamide, LSD, and related psychedelic tryptamines such as DMT, were all reportedly effective for both prophylactic, which means preventative, and acute treatment, which means at-the-moment treatment of cluster headaches and migraines. Several more studies have been published on the matter, all of which come to the same general conclusion. People who suffer from cluster headaches, which is about 1 in 1,000 Americans, will do virtually anything to mitigate or avoid them, and thus far, psychedelics seem to be an effective way of doing that. Of course, because this is America and the vast majority of the country is still fighting Nixon's drug war, people like Lech face two equally unthinkable options. 
suffer through months of horrific pain year after year, or take drugs and risk prison time. So uh, Mr. Letch is currently negotiating through some plea deals, and I'm going to throw up uh, letters of sympathy if you wish to um, advocate for him on the chat right after that. And I would just like to offer, I have a couple of friends who went deep into the psychedelic way literally because of migraines and cluster headaches and that found that subpsychoactive, meaning you don't get high doses of LSD and Wachuma, which is also called San Pedro or mescaline, help them to not have these headaches, which can last from hours to days and be so painful that they blind them. So this is a real great uh, story for me and it points to a great area of investigation and treatment for MAPS and, and other companies that maybe want to get in on this. Take it away, Hyatt Nine News crew. This is old Saint Germain on a Monday. Hey, Matthew, can you speak yep. to any of the science that is behind DMT alleviating headaches? Right. So DMT, LSD, and uh, psilocybin, really all of the um, uh, different psychedelics, in addition to going, remember, interacting with that 5-HT2A receptor mm -hmm. on and inside the neurons, it also alters blood flow and ends up um, dilating blood vessels. And shunting blood vessels. And, and a lot of the thought with these headaches is that there's there's micro capillaries that get turned off and turned on and create areas of tension and, and dis-ease, not really in the brain, but on the surface of the brain. And the psychedelics most likely relax all of these uh, blood vessels and allow for better uh, blood flow. And, and my one friend who has been now cultivating the Wachuma cactus for probably over 20 years because of this... Um, he takes once a week, he takes a dose that is subpsychedelic. And when he takes that dose once a week, religiously, he has no headaches. He's completely pain free. And he was the one I was referencing. Um, I would come over to his house and, and he would be blinded by white light because he was such in such intense pain. And he was uh, contemplating killing himself for several years before he got into into he just miracled into finding out about psychedelics treating this. Fascinating. Fascinating. And I like to relate it to the story about, you know, this lady who was a former pro prohibitionist and someone mentioned Sanjay Gupta. And this is one of the cool things about science. And and there right now we're, there's a lot of talk where people can are 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 mixing up public policy and scientific funding through the federal government and corporations with the scientific method. And what we what this story and 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 changes in position by people who are scientists or have scientific leaning show is. If we uh, can uh, amass enough scientific evidence, then the third party consensus reality becomes these substances are non-toxic and beneficial and we don't have to argue about it. And so what we see with science and people who follow the scientific method is the ability to not just pick a side based on a tribe or a T-shirt or a logo, but the ability to have a fluid opinion, including of oneself, the ability to examine one's own per opinions and perspectives and when given new and convincing evidence to actually change one's pers uh, opinions and perspectives not to be married to the thought that because i think this that is me and not identifying with one's thoughts and perspective as much um yeah, the, the burning bush was dmt wasn't it no that was there me. there is uh, quite a bit of allusion to the fact that uh, not illusion but allusion with an a to the fact that the burning bush may well have been that moses contacted that he saw god through may have been dmt there's also been uh cannabis and cocaine traces of cannabis cocaine and tobacco in egyptian mummies showing that you know uh the yeah. egyptians also were using these substances there's a well-known use of the blue lotus and there's also stylized onks and and mushrooms in hieroglyphs and onks that resemble mushrooms being off yeah uh, being basically showered with rays from Aten, who is the sun god and yep. and really when you go back to the Mohenjo-daro civilization the the Hindus uh, the Celts 
the Mesoamerican civilizations, every one of these uh, megalith building uh, high, high civilizations had psychedelic usage. The, gr- the Greeks with the rituals of Eleusis, you know, hum- humanity has been using cannabis and psychedelics almost all, all the way up until, you know, uh, about the year zero when the Roman Catholic Church got a stranglehold on the world and began to right. kill all of the curanderos and the midwives. So you're telling me, you're telling me Matthew, that, that, that Egyptians snorted cocaine with papyrus? <laughs> uh, no, no, you're telling me that, Jason. <laughs> Nailed it, Jay. Nailed it. Most likely the Egyptians were actually probably chewing coca leaves as the South Americans did, would be my guess. Yeah. yeah. They, you know, it was crazy. Um, was it Mount Vesuvius that they actually uh, had, like, the mummified or the um, – um, preserved bodies and they found psilocybin uh cannab- traces of psilocybin cannabis and dmt yeah. chewed up in their teeth yeah in pompeii yeah and, and so like it goes all the way back to those days and you think of like the early days of mass they were tripping balls man jesus really was worth you, uh, you would have had to be high to live back then jesus <laughs> for saint germain question is uh dmt legal anywhere any state? No, uh, but it, there are several federal's, uh, federally approved, FDA-approved studies mm-hmm. going on with DMT right now, and there is a home office or approved study, which is kind of like the, the anal- uh, analogous uh, organization in Britain. There's a home office study in Britain as well where they're using intravenous DMT and basically trying to send people in as astronauts to map the territory because what they find is that there is a, an amazing coincidence, a synchronicity or similarity of, of visions, places visited, entities visited amongst people who use DMT. Now, the crazy thing is DMT is a Schedule One substance, which means any one of us could go to prison for manufacturing it, yet all of our brains are manufacturing it right now. Mm-hmm. So we're all actually manufacturing a Schedule One substance. Every human being on the planet is manufacturing a Schedule One substance in their brain. The reason that you don't get high most of the time, with the exception what they think of as childbirth, uh, near-death experience caused by trauma, etc., is we have another chemical in our gut called monoamine oxidase that we that we uh, secrete, and the monoamine oxidase immediately breaks down the DMT so it does not get uptaken by the receptors in the brain. And that's how ayahuasca works, or chonga, is they use a, a substance like either the ayahuasca vine or Syrian rue that's an MAO inhibitor, meaning it stops your body from making monoamine oxidase for a certain period of time, so then the DMT is available free in your brain and your brain can take it and then you have these experiences. Okay. So there's a way you can actually extract that and sell it and make money from it um, if you extract the DMT from your brain, kind of like uh, adrenochrome, right? <laughs> uh, while you could probably get it from a human brain, it's actually far more abundant in Phalaris grass. Uh, Phalaris grass is even a better source uh, for DMT than acacia because there's actually... Uh, deforestation risk um, from DMT acacia harvesting, whereas Phalaris grass, we could literally have indoor hydro Phalaris grass, triple stacked units, and just be blasting DMT all day, all night. And the cool thing about DMT is it's non-toxic. It's highly beneficial. When smoked, it only lasts for a few minutes. You can smoke it as much as you want with no uh, negative side effects, really, uh, provided that you, you stay grounded to this reality and realize the importance of eating food and sleeping and being in this reality. But it's it's an incredibly beneficial uh, 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 chemical with Question. really almost no downside. Saint Germain. Yes, ma'am. So the states that have legalized uh, psilocybin and psychedelics that doesn't include DMT. So the states that uh, Oregon, I'm sorry, Oregon you're right. has Oregon has and so, DC so DMT legalized would be, psychedelics too. 
So DMT legalize it or they decriminalize it. DMT would be legal in Oregon because of their uh, because of their statute. The rest of the the de decriminalized um, uh, has been decriminalized nature, and mm -hmm. so it's really been focused on on things that grow and do not need to be processed in in order to have a psychedelic effect, like peyote cactus, San Pedro cactus, uh, mushrooms, and then ayahuasca. So well. Uh, well, and one more thing, because I want this to be a public service announcement for St. Germain to keep dropping, you know, all these <laughs> uh, words of wisdom. Yeah. How, uh, if you are a veteran who needs DMT, how would you tell them to start looking for these federal studies and things that maybe they could get involved in? Uh, just a quick uh, cursory Google search. Yeah. And also, again, maps.org, M-A-P-S dot O-R-G. Maps.org is a public policy organization that is spearheading these studies with the FDA, Johns Hopkins, Stanford, UC Berkeley, UCLA, all these teaching hospitals, and they have a good budget behind them as well. And they have several studies right now for veterans with PTSD. And one of the reasons, I think, for the cluster headaches and the migraine headaches are the IED encounters that folks in Afghanistan and Iraq had where they had CTE, you know, and so they get these critical traumatic brain injuries. And you can use not just psilocybin and psychedelics, but also the lion's mane non-psychoactive mushroom has been shown to have incredibly uh, proven healing abilities and neuroregenerative abilities. So if you are one of these poor people who suffers from these afflictions, just eating buttloads of lion's mane mushrooms, which taste great when sauteed in butter, and, and then finding, if you can, psilocybin, DMT, etc., and healing your brain. Heal the brain. There you have it. It's like Michael Jackson wanted to heal the world. <laughs> Matthew St. Germain wants to heal the brain. <laughs> A little different. <laughs> but thank you all for joining us for today's episode of High at Nine News. You can always catch us weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love. Get their comments projected live on the big screen. You can do so too. Ask Jason Beck how. Also, the live audience members and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in and giving us feedback on the daily headlines of chaos. Our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety and perspective to add your respected opinions to the table and our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, The Vortex, The 91 Club, all of our sponsors helping us keep the lights on, keeping our AV struggles to a minimum, and of course, the lovely Zsa Simone holding things all the way down in Clubhouse. She was out in uh, California this weekend. We got to uh, check me out with her, with her with that. And to the haters out there, I love you. It's Monday. I'll be back tomorrow. And always, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason the High 9 News team shows up every day to read these headlines. Thank you, baby. It is Monday, May 22nd, 2023. The show is over. You've been all blessed with today's top industry headlines. Hope it was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke it at least until tomorrow. Gretchen Gailey, you got the outro today. What you got? Listen to me. Everything I say is 100% factual and correct. <laughs> <laughs>